Welcome back, everyone, to the Tales Never Fails podcast. I am your host. I am producer, super producer Bean, at Brands 5 I am joined live in studio on this first day of NFL football with the one and only Parker Hurley. Parker, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. NFL season is back. I texted you guys this morning, said goodbye to my social life. So <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, though. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's a fun time. So, you know, the social life is gone, but time moves quickly because there's just so much to digest uh, from kickoff on. So I'm really excited about this time of the year. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, your social life might be dead, but dude, there's nothing better to live for than a little football, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, so we're going to get going here. Uh, we're going to first apologize on the uh, season previews. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, got about, what, eight teams in, the AFC uh, East and North, and uh, we kind of didn't uh, schedule it out too good, but uh, we promised next year that we'll do a little better than that. What do you say, Parch? You think so? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely start earlier into the summer. I think that was a big issue that we had, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll try and shut up a little bit, and I won't <laughs> talk about fourth-string safeties as much. But, you know, sometimes they matter. And, you know, you'll be referring – I'll be referring to that, you know, preview podcast in week 12. And I'll be like, I told you about that Patriots fourth-string safety. I knew he was going to matter, and now he does. But, hey, that's the price we pay. We didn't plan it out for the first season. But uh, we're going to give you two pods a week moving forward. So we're planning this out pretty thoroughly, and we're going we're gonna to hit our goals now. Absolutely, yeah. So as Parker said, we're going to get you uh, two, two pods a week here. A Thursday uh, preview for the upcoming week and a Tuesday um, – recap of the uh, last week so we didn't obviously we didn't do the tuesday one because it's week one so this will be the preview one for week one and then tuesday we'll come back at you with a little recap all right parks let's uh let's move into these games here and uh what do you know the first game we got is the good old <laughs> Pittsburgh steelers the Le'Veon bell listness ones versus the good old cleveland browns uh, let's see here. They're opening that. Looks like they opened at six and a half. Well, it depends when you kind of looked at it, but six and a half ish is the consensus open. And now they're at minus four with the overrunner being at 44. This game is at Cleveland at one o'clock. What are your thoughts here, Parks? Yeah, and since this is the first episode, you know, I'll kind of explain that. I'll kind of tell you where, you know, whether I'm on the sidelines or whether I'm looking into something or whether I've already bet something. So, you know, kind of like the Bills podcast, I think when we got it out, it was. Uh, their over-under was six, and I said, you know, well, I bet seven. I'd probably bet six. You know, I'll probably give you similar uh, takes like that. Like you said, it opened six and a half. Now it's four. That's a completely different uh, handicap, really, when you think about it. So kind of just give you where, you know, my feelings overall moving forward. So uh, like you said, we start with the, the Steelers and the Browns, and it really is, you know, storylines galore in this one. It starts, obviously, with Le'Veon Bell. And everyone's kind of talking about, you know, the O-line, just literally only the O-linemen spoke out last uh, yesterday against Le'Veon Bell, kind of just said that he threw them under the bus by not showing up. They really expected him to be there. They told people in the media that he was going to be there. So for him to not show up was kind of a slap in the face to them. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is a disaster. You know, what's going to happen? You know, bet the Browns, bet the Browns. The Browns are on hard knocks. You know, everybody loves the Browns. Looking to the Browns, you know. So momentum's brewing towards the Browns. And I kind of think that has a little bit to do with why, you know, it goes from six and a half to four. But I'm just, I can't really bet into the Browns right now. And it, in my opinion, I'm taking that spin and I'm saying that you, when you piss off an offensive lineman, that's like that's the number one thing for them to take it out on somebody on the field. And when they're doing that, that's when they're doing their job more effectively than anybody else. I just think this offensive line is going to come out just extremely motivated now. And uh, DeCastro, one of his quotes, you know, everyone's you know highlighting the quotes where he kind of threw Bell under the bus or said something negatively about Bell, but he also said 
Uh, he also said about how, you know, well, now it's my chance to prove that I'm worth more than Bell, you know, that I'm, that I should be getting this, you know, this type of money or I should be holding out, you know, and that Bell isn't worth all this and that. So I think they're going to be motivated for this game and they're going to run hard. And James Conner just looks so good. And, you know, somebody talked about how from Le'Veon Bell's rookie year to his second year, he lost a ton of weight and he became this pass catcher. And we didn't really know we had in Bell until we had it in the second year. And, you know, all of a sudden here's James Conner. So we'll see about, you know, the James Conner situation. But that's just why I would kind of steer away from the Browns. The other big storyline in this is the Todd Haley factor where, you know, he's going to take on. Yeah, we talked about Todd relentlessly on the other podcast. We talked about his relationship with Ben on the other podcast. So we kind of know what's going on here. It's a rivalry, you know. Someone tweeted that, you know, no one would want this more than Todd Haley. Your Hugh Jackson even said that, you know, this is just a huge day for Todd Haley. And, you know, but at the same time, this is a huge day for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Bruce Arians is actually going to call the game for CBS. His One of his good friends wow. and former offensive coordinator. Uh, Todd Haley will be there, a coordinator that he doesn't really like. And then Randy Feetner will be a coordinator there who, you know, is his current coordinator who he really likes. So I'm, I'm expecting Ben to play well, honestly. Um, to kind of shove it in Haley's face, and because his two buddies are there, you know, I think he'll be comfortable. Um, he has only lost two times in Cleveland Stadium. It's really why I can't buy into this. You know, I've, I've already talked relentlessly about why I think Ben's going to have a good year. So I'm really not playing anything in this game because, you know, they said if you know Todd Haley knows the Steelers playbook and he gave Greg Williams the Steelers playbook. But Mike Tomlin took a jab at Todd Haley in the media, and this is exactly any Steelers fan will be nodding their head because this is how Todd Haley thinks. Um, you know, they said, are you worried about Todd Haley knowing your playbook? And he said, you know, that's a stupid game to play because it's the, I know that we know that you know that we know. And that's, that's how Todd Haley coaches actually, uh, is, you know, he kind of lives in his own fears of, you know, well, they know that I'm going to run it. So I'm going to throw it. And, you know, you should have just ran it because that was your strength. That's the kind of way that Todd Haley coaches. And Mike Tomlin knows that and he took a subtle jab at him. So like, they know that I think the Steelers are going to win. I think it's right within that like four point range. So um, I probably wouldn't take anything in this game. All right. Um, it, the over under open at forty seven. It's at now at forty four. The under in Cleveland when the Steelers have played them has gone under the last five times. What's your thoughts on the over under? Yeah, I'd probably be looking to the under for sure. And I mean, obviously, it'd be a lot better, you know, with a better number. But you still have to be kind of looking for it. And like I said, I think the Steelers are just going to kind of dominate this game on the ground, and they're going to highlight James Conner, and they're going to highlight their offensive line. And you know, this is kind of a win one for the for the O line type of game, you know. Absolutely. They like Belf really did, you know. They feel like they've been um, thrown under the bus by Le'Veon Bell, so they're going to come out motivated. They're going to run the football. You know, the Browns have all these weapons on offense, but Josh Gordon's not going to start, so you're really questioning that. Uh, the reason I wouldn't play it is just because the Steelers are starting Terrell Edmonds at strong safety. You know, a rookie, so he's starting over Morgan Burnett, who didn't have a great camp. Um, and Michael Hilton's kind of injured right now. Sean Davis is playing free safety. This will actually be like. When he steps on the field for free safety, it'll be like the 15th snap that he's taken at free safety in his life. So it's tough to play into it. But, you know, like I said, with Josh Gordon injured, with Tyrod, with a new offense, it'll be interesting. Like I said, there's just so many variables from just every which way. You know, Bell, Haley, all these new offensive players, two, you know, fresh starters in the secondary for the Steelers. Just so much going on, it's kind of hard to invest in. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot going on, but I personally can't wait to watch this game. Should be fun. Yeah, you'll learn a lot, you know, obviously from both sides. Like I said, the offensive line, the Steelers defense, um, the cohesiveness of the offense, you know, with Todd Haley kind of running the show, and then just Greg Williams' defense, you know, how, how they have to be able to stop a, a Steelers team without Le'Veon Bell. So we'll see. 
Alright, well, let's move on here. Uh, as we're, we're probably going to stay away from that game, as you heard. And we'll move on to the San Francisco Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers rolling <laughs> up into Minnesota with a new quarterback as well being Kirk Cousins. Let's see. This opened at four and a half Vikings. Now it's at six and a half. And the over-under has moved from 47 to 46 and a half. Parker, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'm still looking in, into the under here. I haven't made the bet yet, but I'd probably like it at 46 and a half. And my big reasoning is, you know, obviously we all know the Kirk Cousins. You kind of add him to the Vikings who just made the NFC Championship. You'd assume, you know, an upgraded quarterback, this team could take the step forward. I, I pretty much agree with that, and I'm kind of on the Vikings. But in this particular matchup, Kyle Shanahan drafted Kirk Cousins. And Kyle Shanahan, I've been kind of reading some of his quotes all week. You know, he was invested in Kirk Cousins really more than any other you know, he had, I think he had like a first round grade, or he said something about how he knew he could get Cousins because his grade was so much higher than anybody else on him. But he got Cousins in the fourth round. So, you know, that's, he knows exactly, he knows so much about Kirk Cousins. And one thing that was interesting that he talked about Kirk Cousins that I'm going to file away for later, because this is actually just a fine learning point overall, is that he said that the biggest thing that he liked about Cousins, and it's the same thing he likes about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the ability to throw off of your back foot, like off platform, off of your back foot. And he says that it's because, you know, it doesn't matter how bad your offensive line is. If you can throw the ball with zip and accuracy off of your back foot, you know, you can kind of do it from anywhere on the football field. I thought that was interesting. And, you know, it kind of plays into why I like the Vikings to potentially still win the Super Bowl because their big issue is their offensive line. But I also think that, you know, Kyle Shanahan knows that, you know, how Kirk Cousins plays with a poor offensive line. And he has, you know, the Vikings have this poor offensive line. I think he's going to, you know, be able to expose that. And Robert Saleh is going to be able to expose that. And they're going to be able to kind of work Kirk Cousins. And they know, you know, like I said, he knows his tendencies in the pocket. So they're going to get him into awkward positions. And it really starts with DeForest Beck Buckner, in my opinion. He's a third-year player from uh, Oregon. He was a former top-10 pick. Uh, he hasn't really broken out yet to the national scene, but this is probably the year that he's absolutely gonna. I compared him to Calais Campbell coming out of the draft, and I'm still kind of sticking to that comparison. And that's the type of player that he's gonna be. Um, he's extremely explosive, and he's gonna take on a center who, uh, I forget his name even, but he's gonna take, when he plays a center on Sunday, it'll be the first time he'll ever play center in his career. That's going back all the way to high school. So this is a center who has no experience playing center. If it's not, it's Brett Jones, who's the backup center from the Giants. And we all laugh about the Giants' offensive line. Well, they felt so you know comfortable with their center position, they traded Brett Jones to the Vikings, and that's who they're trying to you know rotate in here, starting at center. Um, beside him is just an injured right guard. So um, you know it was uh, they're trying to throw Mike Remmers in, who's a right tackle. They're trying to stick him in at right guard. So I think that the interior pressure. Kyle Shanahan knows that he can get that interior pressure on Kirk Cousins, and he knows how to make things awkward for Kirk Cousins. I think that's a huge, you know, a huge factor in his ability to contain this Vikings offense. And you know, you add in, you know, the, the 49ers offense just took a huge hit in losing Jarek McKinnon uh, because you know the Kirk. The other thing with Kyle Shanahan is he throws to running backs more than anybody else. But Matt Breida doesn't catch the ball well. Alfred Morris doesn't catch the ball well. So they're going to take some time to figure that out. Not only that, you're on the road against the number one defense in the NFL, arguably with the Vikings. So that's why in this game I'm leaning under. And that's why it's hard for me to lay the points with the Vikings because I just see Kyle Shanahan being able to muck this game up. Like I said, he's probably going to have to you know, kind of ground and pound it more than he is going to be able to open things up in the air. So um, you know, probably running into brick walls, ground and pound, own the, own the uh, game possession, and then make things awkward for Cousins. So that's why I like the under. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something like there. Um, I personally like this game, the Viking side, just in, like a tease maybe, just like basically a pick at this point. And, I mean, that defense compared to like a new Jimmy Garoppolo, they just lost McKinnon. I mean, their wide receivers aren't the best. That's why I was personally in there. It looks like you were feeling the under. And so it'll be a nice little barn burner up in Minnesota. And a couple uh, – let's see here. The last five games um, – at home, Minnesota's been 5-0 five, five straight up. And San Francisco in the last five games, you guys remember, coming off that hot Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco is 5-0. So, I mean, something's got to give here. It looks like it's going to be a nice, uh, good old barn burner. So, we'll see what happens. You, do we like any official picks there from you? Um, I've, I would probably say the under. Yeah, I'll probably end up on the under at some point here. I haven't, Like I said, I haven't taken it yet, but probably, yeah, I'll be on the under in this one. Uh, like you said, I, I don't mind a teaser either because I think Minnesota gets by. It's just when you add in, you know, it's like up to a touchdown. Uh, I think, like I said, I think maybe Minnesota by three, maybe Minnesota by four. But, yeah, like a 21-17 type of game even. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the good old bungles and the colts with a surprisingly high over under here with not much defense from the colts most likely being the thought process but uh indianapolis is minus two and a half uh favorites at home what are your thoughts here parks yeah this is one where i already did take cincinnati i got them at three because i was afraid it was going to go down to two and a half because you look at this i kind of think that the wrong team's favored and you know you love to get three um obviously you know especially on the road you love to get three especially more than two and a half you know but if instead of taking two and a half probably just put a little something on the money line because like i said i think cincinnati's just the better team in this game um it's probably because you know i think they finished with a similar record and then you add Andrew Luck comes back. So, you know, you figure neutral neutral teams, uh, home field, you give the three points to the Colts. But if you watch Luck in the preseason, it hasn't been, you know, he's not setting the world on fire and he's doing a lot of check down stuff. And that's what you would expect from a dude who missed an entire season from shoulder surgery. You know, it'll probably be like week six or seven before he's actually letting something rip. But uh, he's checking the ball down a lot. And I don't think that's a great thing against Cincinnati because we talked about on the podcast, you know, like you said, we only did 18 previews, but we did do Cincinnati. And I talked about how I was higher on Cincinnati than the, you know, the public and how I was looking to their over. And I was saying that at their odds, you know, to the twin, the AFC North wasn't bad. And it's because the defensive line is just loaded right now. And they just gave Geno Atkins a big-time payday. They just gave Carlos Dunlap a big-time payday. I talked about how they don't do that with really anybody. So that's kind of where they feel you know, about those two players, and that is the heart and soul of the team. And um, you look at the, the, the Indianapolis Colts' offensive line. Anthony Costanzo, their starting left tackle, doesn't sound like he's going to play today and uh, or on Sunday. And we didn't do the Colts podcast, but one of the big things I was going to talk about was that I was starting to buy into the Colts offensive line and they were starting to put resources into the offensive line. But it really started with um, the fact that Costanzo is just this kind of building block of a left tackle. And then you add in Ryan Kelly from Alabama and you add in Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. They're two young guys that could really get this thing going. But when the building blocks out in week one and you have a rookie in Quentin Nelson and you have, you know, Kelly ended up missing the season last year um, towards the end of the season, he's coming back from an injury. So you have all these issues on the offensive line. You have Cincinnati's big strength is the defensive line. You have Luck, you know, kind of scared to test things out, throw the ball downfield. On the outside, you have, I think William Jackson will probably follow T.Y. Hilton around. I think that's stylistically a good matchup for Jackson because he's so long and athletic that he's not going to be afraid to jam uh, T.Y. right at the line and kind of just 
swarm and use his body to kind of take over him. So I really don't like T.Y. If you're doing fantasy, uh, especially daily fantasy, I'd probably, you know, if you're playing uh, season long, you're probably starting him. But I'd probably bench him in daily or, you know, I wouldn't play him in daily because I think William Jackson will have a nice game on him. You flip to the other side, I'd probably be starting a lot of Colts in this game because you have a defense that's switching from it's a 3-4 to a 4-3, and they just ended up uh, axing a bunch of players, you know, front seven players who, you know, is that is in that transition from the 4-3 to the 3-4, just players who aren't fitting, who show that they can't fit into this change in the preseason. So they're kind of figuring things out in the front seven. You look at their back seven, Quentin Nelson, or uh, Quentin Wilson, Quincy Wilson it is. Quincy Wilson wasn't able to even start in week one because, you know, he was a second round pick from Florida, but he's really struggling to, you know, figure it out. And he isn't starting. Uh, Pierre Desir and Kenny Moore are starting for the Colts. So uh, another thing we talked about on the podcast, like I said, and uh, they spent two years kind of trying to figure out the Muhammad Sanu and uh, Marvin Jones roles. And I think they finally have them with John Ross and Tyler Boyd. And last year they thought they had them with those two, but it was maturity issues for Boyd. It was health for Ross. Sounds like Ross is healthy. Sounds like Boyd is mature. Uh, Tyler Eifert's healthy, which never happens. Um, it's all kind of coming together for the Bengals should start hot this season. And, you know, as you know, I said it on the podcast, as one thing goes wrong, Dalton starts to, you know, kind of fade off. But everything's kind of healthy and together right now. Um, their O-line's healthy. You know, they added to it in the offseason. It's all kind of here for – they're just a better team. It's going to take the Colts – a few weeks, you know, they'll probably get better as the season goes on. The Bengals might get worse as the season goes on, but right now the Bengals are the better team, and that's why I'm betting on the Bengals. So yeah, I mean, you, you were talking about that earlier in the week. You love that uh, Cincy line. I mean, it's still a little confusing why they uh, uh, Colts are minus two and a half or you know favorites to say the least. But I mean, Andrew Luck, you haven't seen him throw a deep ball all season. I mean, you have Willie Jackson on Hilton, so I guess it, it doesn't really matter. But he's probably going to feed Ebron and Doyle down low, check down to like you know the running backs and whatever. But uh, the over under we got here is at forty eight. Do you like any of that? You like? Um, I don't, and I, I think it is mainly because I like what the I like what Cincy could do on offense in this game. Um, I know the Colts last year were the worst team against tight ends, and I talked about how Eifert's a sleeper to go off in week one and, you know, maybe never play again, but he might go off in week one. I could see them really putting up. I think Dalton will have a pretty good game. Uh, Joe Goodberry did something really cool on The Athletic where he showed how Andy Dalton's splits have kind of changed since Bill Lazor has been the coach because he's really simplifying things for Andy Dalton. So I just think against, you know, like I said, this defense where they're shuffling, things looking, you know, as easy as ever, they're going to score a bunch. I just... I'm worried. I'm worried about Luck, and I just want to see Luck before I kind of invest anything in him. I'll invest against his team, but uh, I won't invest in him yet. We'll see. Yeah, I am in fantasy, and it's very, uh, very uh, trying to see what he's going to do, especially with uh, no running back that they have. You know, what's his name back there? Um, Jordan Wilkins. I think Jordan Wilkins is going to start. Yeah, that adds to the fact that you know they're going to be a little more one-dimensional. I think Luck. I really think you know. A good game or like a good game plan for luck is like I said, just you know, drop back quick, quick passes, like you said, probably get the tight ends involved and just you know, rhythmic, get the rhythm going. And like I said, I think even Cam Newton, uh, I think it was last year, he was coming off of something and it was like four or five weeks, and they're like, What's the problem with Cam Newton? And then I think he played the Patriots and it kind of just shook all the rust off. I think it'll be like week five and it's just like, up luck shaking the rust off you know here it is but i'm betting i'm betting against it in week one all right well there it is good old cincinnati Bengals. fire them up let's move on to the next game we got the 
Buffalo Bills with Nate Peterman at the helm being uh, seven and a half road dogs to the uh, now Baltimore Ravens. They, uh, it opened up at three and a half. Now it's at seven and a half. And the over-under went from 42 and a half to looks like 41. Do you like anything here, Parks? Yeah, I'm looking into teasing the Ravens and the under in this one. And it's something that, like, for three straight years, I've just been teasing the Ravens and the under and getting by on. And it seems like, like, two years ago, it seemed like people didn't really buy into their defense. And then last year, they weren't buying into their offense. And, uh, you know, their offense, I'm not really buying into their offense, but I'm buying into their defense being good enough for their offense to get them by. Uh, the Ravens and the Unders, it's always been a successful tease. I don't have the stats behind it, but I've always been successful with it. I'm probably going back to it. And it really has to do with, you know, Nate Peterman. We kind of know everything about Nate Peterman. And the big issue is, you know, it's not even really Nate's fault. He just gets keep getting tossed into the fire. And, uh, you know, someone highlighted their first three games are just bad. And it sets up for a great chance for him to just get beaten and battered, and then Josh Allen comes in in week four Stack and kind of, you know, yeah, it's like exactly what's happening here. You know, uh, they they kind of tried to sacrifice his last season, to, you know, end their season, and uh, it didn't even work for them. They made the playoffs, but yeah, you know, the issue with Nate is they lost their left tackle, Cordy Glenn. I talked about how they might shift things up, and it might be okay, but they lost Eric Wood, their center. They lost Incognito, their right guard. You know, that's ugly, and that's a lot of replacing. And, you know, continuity in the offensive line is arguably the most important thing in all of football. I'll probably talk about that, you know, at some point in this show. But, you know, I just think that's a huge issue for a team that, you know, whether it's Nate or whether it's Josh Allen, you know, the signal caller is not really in control yet. You know, Shady, who knows what he's doing, you know, off and on the field because of his issues. They just cut Corey Coleman. You know, you look at the Ravens, and, you know, I think Joe Flacco. We talked about on the podcast all season, this dude has been ticked off and he's, you know, he doesn't embrace Lamar Jackson. He doesn't really talk to him and he's showing up like he knows he's going to lose his job because he definitely is gonna. But um, I think he's going to play well in this game. I think he'll, you know, control the football. And I think Alan's, Alex Collins just goes off in this game. Yes. Uh, yeah, their defensive line, uh, Trent Murphy's banged up right now. They're they're just all banged up in the, in the front. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, a star linebacker. You think he'll probably be pretty good? Not yet. You know, he's still he, he's like I think he's twenty years old or nineteen years old still, um, and he was really raw coming out. So uh, I just don't really see it within their front seven. I talked about on their podcast. You get Marshall Yonda back, fully healthy. Um, they look like they kind of have figured it out in the preseason on the offensive line. I talk about how they motion, they move, they do a ton of that that kind of stuff. I think that'll mess up the Bills who struggled to uh, defend the run last season. So um, I just think Alex Collins. You know, they probably. You know, scheme up a great drive. Joe Flacco, Flacco has a great drive. You know, goes five for five for a touchdown. Um, they sack the hell out of Nate Peterman, and then they kind of just run the ball with Alex Collins, and it's like twenty-seven to nothing. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure they'll score at some point, but I like teams in the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you do start off like that with Joe Flacco and you know Nate Peterman playing from behind, it could get that ugly with this offensive line. So, uh, Ravens and under, I would tease them. Yeah, I mean, Alex Collins, I'm pretty sure he's like 5,500 or 6,500 in DFS. I mean, just hammer the fuck out of that, dude. I love it. Yeah, I think he's going to – yeah, early and often really is the game plan, man. And um, Baltimore's defense, I believe, has been just about ranked number one in any fancy place I could find. So everyone is definitely leaning Baltimore here. Yeah. A couple other tidbits. Uh, the under has gone – uh, has gone under six of the seven last games. Buffalo's played Baltimore. Well, Baltimore's four and one against the spread last five games against Buffalo. That's another little tidbit too. Yeah, I could see them winning that easy. So we're we're leaning uh, what Ravens in uh, the under, and that's definitely a tease on it, right? Yeah, I would tease that. 
Alright, cool. Well, let's move on to good old Saxonville versus a nice um, revamped little Giants team here. We have Jacksonville on the road, road favorite to minus three, and the over-under is at 43 and a half. It opened just around the same uh, lines. Uh, Parks, any thoughts on this game here? Yeah, this is one kind of similar to the Steelers and Browns where there's just so much going on that I'm kind of just going to stay away and probably learn from this game more than uh, take anything. And, you know, everyone kind of talks about this game all summer really has been about, you know, it's Tom Coughlin's revenge. You know, he's in the Jaguars front office, the former Giants coach, and, you know, oh, he knows this and that about Eli. You know, they're going to kind of lay it out on Eli and, you know, he'll get his revenge. But at the same time, like, the Giants' ownership was the ones who kind of did Tom Coughlin dirty, and you know that divorce ended kind of you know badly for both sides. So um, I think all summer, you know, sure Tom Coughlin's stressing it, but I think ownership on the you know Giants side is going to stress it onto the uh, new Giants coaches that you know this is a game where you know hey let's start this thing off you know let's show Tom this and that you know hey we know this and that about how Tom likes to you know construct his teams and run his teams you know. So I'd, I'd never see, you know, everyone's like, oh, Todd Haley wants it so bad. Oh, Tom Coughlin wants it so bad. So does Ben and so do the Giants, you know. So I'd, it's never really that big of a deal. And I think Pat Shermer is a good coach to potentially expose um, a Tom Coughlin defense. He, you know, he loses a lot of play action. He uses a lot of throwing to his running backs. So, you know, probably throw it to uh, Saquon a ton. You know, on the out, yeah, I think he'll have a good game. On the outside, you know, you talk about uh, Odell versus whether it is Jalen Ramsey, whether it is Boye, it's going to be a great matchup. So, cannot wait for that. Yeah, kind of just looking into those matchups, you assume, you know, if Jacksonville wins, it's because of their defensive line against the Giants O line. But the Giants O line's kind of beefed up right now. They added, you know, uh, Will, Will, whatever from UTEP. in the second round, uh, I forget his right name. Hernandez, Will Hernandez, really good uh, offensive guard. Like I said, they traded their starting or their backup center because they're confident in their starting center. Uh, they added Solder. They moved Flowers to right tackle. So uh, Pat Shermer is a former offensive line coach. I think he kind of knows what he's doing, and I think he's building. They talk about. I'm reading a ton about how culture, and you know, he's setting a culture and he's setting a tone, and it's just completely different than what. Uh, what uh, McAdoo was doing just in the past couple of years in terms of culture. So I tend to think that he kind of has right in the ship. You know, he could do it rather quickly. But then you look on the defensive side of the ball, they're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And there's just, you know, misfits and schemes all over the place. So that against Blake Bortles is kind of – I'm not trusting that either. So kind of, you know – yeah, two good offenses against two, you know, or a good offense against a, a good defense and a bad defense against a bad offense. So just stay put and uh, just learn from this game. I mean, Blake Bortles is most likely going to throw for like 400 yards. But yeah, definitely, you know, stay away. <laughs> Watch it, you know. Should be a little barn burner. I'm just pumped to see Saquon just out there, too, just manhandling people. Yeah, they should throw the ball to him a ton. But I mean, then you got those linebackers, you know, the speed of them in uh, Jacksonville. That'll be a fun one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on here. To the good old Tampa Bay Buccaneers, good old Harvard grad Fitzmagic is at the helm there, and they are rolling in the um, new New Orleans here with Drew Brees, and they are the biggest spread of the week, I am pretty sure, as it is minus yeah. ten Saints against the Buccaneers with an over under went from fifty nine and a half to now forty nine and a half. What is your thoughts on this game, Parks? Yeah, the Saints are their survivor pick. That's pretty much my thoughts. But I mean, ten. It'll be. I'll have to like see a real situation that I'll really, really like to lay ten in the NFL. It's just so 
the it back and forth nature. Seven to ten. That's most likely because people just hammered that. Oh yeah, and I mean it makes a ton of sense. Like I said, I'm even you know Survivor picks Saints lock it in for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to win this game, no doubt. It's just when you put that many points on the line, you have to kind of look Tampa Bay or pass. There's just not enough for me to invest in Tampa Bay. Uh, since I said you know we miss we miss all those podcasts, I'll kind of I was going to make a case for Drew Brees to win the MVP, and I would I would look into Drew Brees to win the MVP this year. I really like him. Uh, people are like, oh, he lost his arm, it fell off. You know, they're relying on the run game. I just don't buy that at all. I think that. Uh, the run game was just so dynamic last year that you know he kind of just didn't need to throw the football to win games. But without Mark Ingram, I think he's going to throw the ball to Kamara a ton. But uh, they also added Traquan Smith, uh, who I really like, who's probably going to start on the outside. Uh, I think he'll have a big game this week because you look at the Bucks secondary, it's really banged up because uh, Brent Grimes is out in this game. Vernon Hargraves is like, he was drafted in the top 10 and I never understood why because he wasn't quick enough and he was undersized and everyone's like, oh, he's a press corner. He's so, you know, tenacity, you know, tenacity, whatever, tenacity, all that. Um, but he's kind of been a bust so far and he's undersized. So that's a huge issue, especially when you look at, you know, I think Michael Thomas is like, like 6'4". Traquan Smith is like 6'3", 6'4". Even Cameron Meredith, if he gets, you know, he has a bunch of knee injuries, but if he gets on the field, he's like 6'4". So, you know, who's Hargrave is really going to match up against? Nobody. And that's why they're going to have to start. Um, it looks like they're going to play uh, Carlton Davis and Ryan Smith a lot on the outside and try to move uh, Hargraves into the slot. But, you know, Carlton Davis is a rookie from, uh, it's I believe it's Auburn. He's a rookie from there. And, you know, he was a second round pick because he wasn't very fluid in his hips. Um, I know Michael Thomas is like, for how big he is, he's one of the most fluid people on an NFL football field. That's why I'm a huge fan of Michael Thomas is the combination of size and finesse. And that's actually why I like Traquan Smith is the combination of size and finesse. And the Saints just have hit after hit. You know, They hit on Thomas in the second round. Uh, they traded up for Kamara in the third round. And now here's Traquan Smith in the third round. I think he's kind of the third piece of the puzzle. I think it puts it all together for Drew Brees and I do think they put up a ton of points on you know like I said the Bucks corners have issues their safeties have been an issue for like 10 years but uh they do they added a bunch on their defensive line Vinny Curry JPP uh Vita Vea they just signed Carl Nassib who I thought was a kind of underrated sign but at the end of the day the Saints are line so good I can't take the Bucks but like I said laying 10 against a division foe you know this game could be you know 27 to 14 and you know the Bucks just score a gimme touchdown at the end you know it's stuff like that happens especially in division games like that so I'm not going to touch it but yeah take the Saints and Survivor and maybe look into Drew Brees to win the MVP before he goes off and Traquan Smith and Fantasy pick him up I really think you know last spot on the bench why not uh, I think we'll have a big game this week yeah you've been uh, talking on Traquan a while now and he's probably real cheap in DFS and he's definitely like near 5% or less owned in Fantasy yeah, I just think, you know, the, the Bucks don't have the cornerbacks right now. They just don't. And, uh, yeah, he, I was going to – I actually didn't pick him up in one league. And uh, I was going to, you know, wait and see in week one. And now I actually just dropped the dude because I just think he's going to have such a good game in week one that he'll be the waiver wire guy. So I'm trying to get ahead of the curve. And, I mean, if I'm oh, – if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, I mean, you're drafting the Saints' second receiver. You know, everyone's like, oh, Kamara's the second receiver. Right, I get what you're saying, but, like, it's the Saints' second receiver. You know, go look into it. A couple little sleeper tidbits on the Saints, too. Um, they only have two running backs rostered on their team. That other one is Mike Gillis of the old Patriot. Any thoughts on him being a little sleeper? He's going to get the goal line work, it, it would appear. I mean, but like I said, I just think that honestly Morris means – yeah, and they're just going to throw the football to him, and they're going to throw the football in general. And I think that's it's going to set up for Drew Brees to have, you know, he went, I had a fantasy draft on Tuesday, and he was like the seventh quarterback taken. And I just think 
you guys are disrespecting Drew Brees a year too early, so we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so no, we don't really like anything there. Uh, maybe, you know, Saints and – no, definitely the Saints and Survivor. And then if you want Yeah, to, just maybe, all those weird nuggets. Maybe the Saints and like a uh, money line parlay, some shit like that, you know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, with the Ravens, you could probably figure something out with oh, them. Yeah, you can talk to all kinds of crazy shit. All right, well, let's move on to the good old Houston Texans rolling up into England as six-point dogs. And uh, this one is at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Parch, thoughts on this with the over-under being at 51 and a half. This might, is this the highest over-under of the week? I think it's it got to be. Yeah, it's, it's because uh, last year it was like 34-31. Yeah. Um, it was really, you know, whoever the last person was with the football was going to win that game. And it was the Patriots. But this game is another one I'm just staying completely away from. It's really going to be a game where, you know, you crack back, you know, open a beer and just kind of watch it and kind of have fun with it because the total is, yeah, the total's so high. Uh, I would love to bet on the Texans. I really would. It's just, you look at their offensive line and it's just awful. It's just so, so, so stinking bad. And it's unbelievable that they would do this disservice to Deshaun Watson. And everyone's like, oh, well, Deshaun Watson's so mobile. What's he needed offensive line for Russell Wilson? Yeah, this is a guy that just tore his ACL last season. And, you know, he already has a torn ACL. Like, sure, he can run to get away from it, but that's clearly been an issue for him. And you'd rather him be able to, you know, you know, run every once in a while to make that incredible play, not every single play running for his life. And that's just what it feels like it could be. Um, I talked about on the AFC East podcast that I thought the Patriots added a lot to their defensive line to kind of beef that up. So I think that they could get some pressure on Watson. But the other issue that I have is, and it kind of started last year, or it might have been for a little bit, but uh, Mike Lombardi on the ringer, he's he's kind of he's so tuned into the NFL because he's worked pretty much everywhere in the NFL, and he's worked for Bill Belichick for a long time. So he just has tidbits, and he worked for uh, Al Davis and the Raiders. So I listen to his podcast a lot because he just drops tidbits like crazy, and he talks about how he thinks that good teams have understood that since the 2011 CBA, they limited practice rules so much that good teams understand that the first four weeks of this season, as long as you can get by like two and two, you know, worst case, obviously one and three, but you know, if you could get by at two and two, three and one, whatever, it's not a big deal to a lot of these teams because they're, it's more like they're, you know, it's like an aggressive preseason. You know, it's a preseason that means something where they're kind of just figuring things out. They're fine tuning things. And it was what the Patriots, it happened last year to them. You know, they got rocked by the Chiefs on Thursday night football. Deshaun Watson just put up everything on them. Um, Cam Newton went into New England and beat beat them. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with the Patriots? And then as the season went on, they got better. And it was because they made their adjustments after week four. And, you know, when Michael Lombardi says that that's what's going on, that's clearly what's going on. Because, like I said, he, he was there. He was in those meetings. And uh, he knows that, you know, teams read the CBA and understand these practice rules and understand that this is a good way to get my team in shape for the regular season. And that's why, you know, uh, go back to the Steelers. You look into Le'Veon Bell's situation, you, know, you got this four weeks. They have four home games. They're at the Bucks uh, without Jameis Winston, and they're at the Browns within their first six games. So, I mean, how much are they really missing with Le'Veon Bell in those first six games? It's probably not going to, you know, derail their season. It's not sound the alarms like people think. Same with the Patriots, and that's why I can't, take them to win this game and why you know despite the Texans O-line I could still see Watson having a good game because I think the Patriots are going to try things out in this game and I think that it's going to it's going to take some time for them to get adjusted so I could see the Texans sneaking this out but and uh you said you weren't feeling anything super you know like no if, if you want to you know bet every game or if you have to do it for an office pool I would probably take the Texans in the points but and you know like you said if you were doing one of those teasers 
with uh you know i wouldn't put the patriots in it that's really what i would say is you know just kind of just steer clear of the pats i think for the first four weeks or at least sit back and see how they respond to these first four weeks I tell you what, I am gonna do. I'm putting a little prop bet in for Gronk to score a touchdown during that game because I think a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That can like, there's no receivers there. Yeah, that would be another one. I think Gronk and I think Burkhead and I talked about how tight ends and running backs over the middle of the field. It's another thing. The new helmet rule is opening up a lot of space in the middle of the field, and if you can create with tight ends and running backs, they have the you know the run dynamic and the pass dynamic. The Patriots are going to exploit and exploit and exploit oh, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gronk and Burkhead all day. Throw it to every white person they can find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, let's move on here. We have the Tennessee Titans and the Dolphins. Uh, it opened up at two and a half for the favoring the Titans. Now it's at one. And the over under at 46 and a half. Now it's at 45. So we have Tennessee minus one versus Dolphins. It's in Miami at one o'clock Sunday. Parch, thoughts on this game? Yeah, I got nothing right now, but if you want to, you know, maybe tweet me, I might be looking into Miami. I got I got to think about it because the big thing with Tennessee is their injuries right now. Uh, Delaney Walker hasn't practiced in a while. Uh, Rashard Matthews, they were debating whether to put him on the pup or the IR. Or is he going to even play this season? I just don't see him being effective in week one. So um, that, I think that's a huge issue on offense, especially when you factor in that they just added a new offensive coordinator who he's supposed to be, you know, a McVay a Kyle Shanahan type of guy. But in the preseason, it's looking like him and uh, Mariota have had issues. Uh, I know it took Kyle Shanahan. It usually takes him one full season. It did with Matt Ryan over in Atlanta. It could be a similar thing there. But, uh, you know, especially with the issues in the preseason, it's tough to get really hype about the, uh, the Titans offense right now. But then you look over to Miami's side of the football, and uh, their defense is just really struggling. And you, you know, one thing I looked at, looked up on them is they're having issues with penalties in the preseason. And you know, Adam Gase, I feel like Adam Gase has been preaching this for like four or five years in Miami. I mean, it's probably been like two or three, but uh, just the fact that you know he's always preaching about you know the locker room issues, and you know we got to have the right guys here, and they're still trying to figure out the locker room. And it sounds like you know I think it is year three is entering, and he's still trying to figure out this locker room issue. So they have issues with discipline on defense, but the Titans are having issues figuring things out on offense. You look at the Titans' defense, um, Brian Arakpo didn't play a single snap in the preseason. They said he's good to go. He's not on the injury report, but kind of looking into that one. Derek Morgan hasn't played a practice or a snap in the preseason, and uh, I don't think he's going to play week one, or at least he's on the practice or the injury report. And, you know, they drafted Harold Landry to replace uh, potentially Morgan and Harold Landry's on the injury report. So not really liking that on the Tennessee side. And then obviously on Miami side, you have, you know, Tannehill coming back from his ACL. What the heck do you have in him? doesn't sound like Devontae Parker is going to play. Um, they listed Marquise Gray as a starting tight end, and then they put him on the IR today. So I thought that was kind of weird. Um, and then there was uh, – there's oh, they have Frank Gore and uh, Kenyon Drake. They have them listed as – co-starters on the depth chart so they're totally figuring things out on offense and Gase keeps preaching you know culture and we need this culture and it doesn't sound like he has it whatsoever yet so um it's tough to invest into them but like I said with so many injuries and so many questions on the tight side of the ball I mean maybe under um I was thinking Dolphins earlier into the week but the more I read into yeah, this Dolphins me. team yeah that, what is it right now like 45 it went from 46 and a half to 45 and the last yeah. Uh, 13 times each team played in Miami. It's been 11 times has gone under. Right. I will say that um, I think the Titans running backs, both of them, should be pretty good in this game. 
because um, I talked about the issues in the passing game with Mariota and the receivers. Uh, I talked about on the Dolphins podcast, so I don't really trust. They got rid of Sue and they didn't replace him whatsoever. Um, and it was Devon Gacho who had a couple bad penalties in their last preseason game who's supposed to start on the D-line. So he's already struggling in the preseason. They should be able to plow right over him. Uh, they have, you know, I talked about they have issues with linebackers and coverage on the podcast. So Dion Lewis, and I think Derrick Henry, it's being underrated or no one's talking about that. They've lined him up in the slot and they've put Dion Lewis in the backfield. And uh, I think they're both going to catch the football against the weak Dolphins linebackers, and I think they're both going to run the football hard. But that probably just plays more into the fact that uh, I would look into the under. You know, we, it's still Thursday, but and I haven't played it yet. But I'm, I'm going to be looking into the under in this one. Yeah, the under definitely looking a little appetizing there, to say at least. All right, let's move on to the four o'clock games now. We have uh, KC and uh, LA Chargers, the Super Chargers. Uh, Super Chargers are three and a half uh, favorites here, and the over/under is forty-eight. Any thoughts on uh, Phil versus Patty Mahomes? Yet another one we couldn't get to. I went with Breeze for MVP. I took the Chargers twenty-three to one to win the Super Bowl. Kind of more of a long shot, but. I really like what they're doing, and I like um, the fact that they're so diverse in their secondary. I talk about on, on the Patriots podcast how they do it with running backs and tight ends over the middle. The Chargers have a really nice blend of linebackers and safeties that they can kind of mix and match with them. And then you add in Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram um, to be able to get pressure with four. You can only rush four, and then you mix and match kind of seven in the back. It's, it's interesting, and I think that if, if it all came together – they're a really good team. Um, it just never seems to come together for them, and that's just that's why they're twenty three to one, and that's why I kind of think you know it's worth a long shot, but it is a long shot nonetheless. Um, and it's tough to invest in them against the Chiefs because Andy Reid just owns them. Uh, they're two and eight since Andy Reid's been there. Philip Rivers, uh, since Bob Sutton's been hired as the defensive coordinator, twelve touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. Uh, this is kind of every year we're kind of sitting back and saying, why the heck didn't the Chargers make the playoffs? Or, you know, why aren't the Chargers doing what I think they're going to do this year? And it always comes, you know, while they're 0-2 against the Chiefs, that's probably why. And that's why it's really hard to invest in this team. Um, especially, we talk all the time about Andy Reid off of a bye. And why is that? Because he's the best preparation coach, arguably, in the NFL. You know, he beats Bill Belichick because of his preparation. Um, it's the fact that in-game, Bill Belichick destroys him in-game. You know, Andy Reid... You know, we've seen every year, you know, since like 2000 that he struggles in game. He struggles to manage the clock. He struggles to make adjustments at halftime. But this dude comes out with a game plan like nobody else, like literally nobody else. Uh, So I think that he's going to probably, you know, he owns the Chargers. He's had months and months and months to prepare for him. Um, The Chargers don't even have a home field advantage. You could argue that the Chiefs, you know, fan stadium. Right. It's that small little stadium. And you could argue the Chiefs fan base is so, you know, crazy. And they're, you know, they think that they can win the division in the Super Bowl, and Mahomes is kind of their guy. So uh, I think it'll be more Chiefs fans than Chargers fans there. Um, the, I just can't bet on the Chiefs because I love Mahomes. I have Mahomes. I'm only in two fantasy leagues, but I have him in both of them. Yeah, so I'm in on Mahomes, and I think it has to do with Andy Reid being able to game plan. And uh, we always talk about how there's like a ceiling to Andy Reid, and there's a ceiling to Alex Smith, and there's a ceiling to Donovan McNabb. They're kind of all linked together, you know what I mean? Um, there's like no ceiling to Pat Mahomes. He's kind of like the X factor to all of the – any quarterback in any system that Andy Reid has had, he's kind of the X factor to it all. So I'm just so interested to see what he could do with like Andy Reid with no ceilings. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill is just, you know, a playmaker – that he's a perfect fit for Mahomes. So Sammy Watkins, because which way is the safety? You know, if the safety takes Watkins, 
Hill's wide open. If the safety takes Hill's, Watkins wide open. Uh, and then you have Kelsey over the middle. You have Hunt on the ground. Like, they're a really good team. It's just, it's going to take me at least a full week, you know, before I could bet into Patrick Mahomes actually being a guy. You know, whether there's more Chiefs fans or not, it is a road game technically. And it is, you know, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, and uh, this defense that I really, really like what they're doing uh, in that back end. So kind of just to sit and watch. If Mahomes comes out here, though, uh, start to really think about the Chiefs. All right. So just uh, watch that one. Nice little enjoyer game. Right. That'll be a fun one. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to watch that one. Good 4 o'clock guy. It's on CBS, too. Hopefully, we can watch it. Uh, We'll get blacked out. Um, Let's see here. We got the Seahawks and the Broncos. Um, Let's see. Broncos are minus three favorites at home over unders at 42.5 for those Broncos. Yeah, this is one that I took as well. I'm on the Broncos here. Um, I took them at two and a half. Did you say it still was two and a half, right? Uh, it looks like it's at three now. It's three. Well, I got them at two and a half. If you could get two and a half, like minus 120, I'd probably feel comfortable with that. Um, I honestly think probably if you hang out and you, know, you kind of just watch the spread, I think it's going to bounce back. Because, you know, people like Russell Wilson, people like Seattle, everything like that. I think it'll you'll be able to get two and a half, honestly, I'm pretty sure at some point. And I would probably wait on it. I'm sure minus three, you wouldn't have an issue. But just wait on two and a half. If you can't get it, take three. Because I like Denver in this situation. I think it's a really good spot for him. Uh, you look at Seattle's defense. You know, I was the biggest Seattle fan, like, in Pittsburgh. In the city of Pittsburgh, you couldn't find a bigger Seattle Seahawks fan. There's just no doubt about it. And it's because... They did me well monetarily, you know. I I won a lot of bets taking that defense. Uh, I took them to win the Super Bowl that one year, and that's really kind of, you know, that started a little bit why I'm here. I love that defense, but it's gone. It's like completely gone. It's completely everyone's, gone. yeah, it's well, nobody's there Thomas. anymore. They did sign Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas came in, you know, uh, yesterday. I just don't see how he's going to play though in Week One, or even if he does, you know, it, it's limited. It's not effective um, yeah. because his thing is, you know, having to be able to read break quickly and run from, you know, one hash mark to the sideline, you know, faster than, uh, you know, insert receiver here, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he'll have to beat those players to that, those spots extremely quickly. So that breakability, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everyone says he's in shape, this and that, but that's hamstrings, you know, that's, you don't want to make that quick burst and then all of a sudden it's a huge issue. I doubt he'll really play, but, uh, you know, Cliff Averill's gone, Michael Bennett's gone, uh, you know, KJ writes out this game. Uh, they got Shaquem Griffin in there. You know, great story, really cool story. Um, and I, you know, I debated for, you know, for Shaquem Griffin that I thought he was an NFL player. And I said, you know, he's he would start over Tyler Matakavich of the Steelers in my mind, you know. And he's starting for the Seahawks. But, you know, that's still the weakness. It would have been the weakness for the Steelers. It's still a weakness for the Seahawks that, you know, he's what, a fifth round rookie with one hand is starting. That's still a weakness. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I love the story, everything. I love it. But it's a weakness, you know, um, and Denver's going to expose it. They're going to be able to. Did you, uh, did you see the ahead. video of him in Madden? No, I haven't. Dude, you got to see it. So, like, they have him with one one hand in Madden. And whenever he picks it off, first of all, it's so uh, fucked up whenever he drops the interception in Madden because it's, <laughs> it's just mean. But whenever he picks it off, <laughs> He'll get it like in his like regular hand, like arm, and then he'll give it to his other, uh, his, like his handless arm, and he'll start just running with it, dude. It's nuts. So they haven't fixed that in that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, this this is pretty rare, rare ground for a video game. So yeah, they're like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's funny as hell. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a cool story, but like he's not gonna. It's gonna take him time. Uh, what's his name? Uh, their cornerback, Byron Maxwell, they just put him on the IR. So they're starting Dante Johnson across from uh, – I like Shaq Griffin, but Dante Johnson is 
awful. He was so he's the guy that last year, uh, if you were a fantasy guy, you would look, you know, or a DFS guy, like who's lining up on Dante Johnson, and you would just start him. Uh, I know it was DeAndre Hopkins, but DeAndre Hopkins, it was with Tom Savage, had like 10 catches for like 200 yards and three touchdowns against Dante Johnson, and he just took that dude's soul. And uh, he's like, Dante Johnson is not an NFL player, in my opinion. And uh, he's just hanging on by a thread. And yeah, they're just, I think they're just going to attack and attack and attack him. And it's, you know, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Cortland they just Sutton, Cort- baby. I'm telling you, dude, uh, Cortland Sutton would be a real good sleeper. In, he started uh, on the outside, right? Because they had Sanders uh, running like mainly. Sanders is going to be in the slot, yep. yep. And they're going to put uh, Demarius Thomas in the slot a little bit because they like him in the, you know, Larry Fitzgerald yeah, stylistically. Yeah, he's similar. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, they're just so similar, you know, body-wise. And they can do things after the catch and uh, – yeah, so Cortland Sutton's going to be on the outside. Uh, I don't. I know they they play sides. I don't know which side Cortland Sutton typically lines up on, but you know you'd assume whoever gets Dante Johnson is going to just own him. Uh, so kind of look into that. Uh, I really, I really think they're just going to kill him. So I mean, especially you know I said about the slot though. You know whether it's Demarius Thomas or Sanders. I know they have a pretty good slot corner in Justin Coleman, but uh, with that Shaq and Griffin factor in the middle, um, he's kind of their their run and chase guy. Um, also, Philip Lindsay is a guy that if you want to get ahead on the curve and you have a extra fantasy spot, this is probably pretty deep, but he's a little running back. He's like Darren Sproles, like 5'6", 180, um, just a dude from Colorado who he can catch the football. And Von Miller has been praising him all preseason. I just keep reading Von Miller just talk about how hard he is to cover in space. So um, that's KJ Wright and that's Shaq and Griffin. I mean... Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it would be a really, really deep league, but I'd look to him. But I think they're just going to kill. Uh, they're going to kill Seattle. Uh, Twenty-seven and four at home in September uh, in their past thirty-one home September games, and that comes back to the idea of they're in altitude. Um, it's September, so it's you know kind of still more humid outside. Uh, the air is still kind of you know it's thicker than it usually is, and then you have a team you know whatever team it is, whether it's Seattle or not, is a team that you know like I mentioned all these players aren't playing in the preseason and they're resting you know here and there and they're kind of getting their guys back. So you have you know not quite in shape yet in altitude at the end of summer. Um, Denver's prepared for it. Seattle's not. You add in all the injuries, all the issues on uh, on that side of the ball. Then you add you know they added Bradley Chubb. Uh, Seattle's their line still isn't great. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I was Seattle all the way, you know, until last season. And last season, I kind of said this is the end of the dynasty, and now I'm kind of fading Seattle this year. So I'm on Denver. All right, there it is, Denver. Uh, do you like any over unders there? No, forty two and a half. Um, probably not. I'd probably be looking over though because I think people are still thinking that Seattle has a good defense, and they just don't. And I think that, like I said, I think Denver could put up on them. And then you put Russell Wilson in a spot where he just has to you know, pull plays out of his ass and he will. So uh, I'd be looking over before under. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, next game. We got them Cowboys versus good old Scam Newton and the Panthers. Uh, Scam and the Panthers are minus three favorites and the over under is at 42 and a half. This is the same exact line as the last line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this one, I, I don't got nothing on. This is a learning game for me. Uh, and it really comes down to the fact that both the lines have question marks and they're kind of coming from different points. You know, the Cowboys O-line is elite, but Frederick is out. Uh, there's questions with their uh, guard. Uh, he's got some issues. I know Tyron Smith is supposed to be back, but he has uh, he has a back injury. And, you know, you got to see it for a little bit, you know, with that back injury. So I just kind of want to see 
the Dallas offensive line before I could really, you know, bet and believe in them, especially when you think about their receiving core. Um, but then, you know, Carolina has the same type of issues on their offensive line. Um, Khalil is out the left tackle. Um, they put in Taylor Moton, who's a second year player. You could argue that's an upgrade, but Taylor Moton had to start at right tackle this season because Daryl Williams, uh, I believe he tore or he broke his kneecap or like his kneecap like fell off or something crazy. Ew. Yeah, just awful. But uh, they said that he's like he's not practicing yet, but like he's kind of like doing agility stuff on the sideline, and they're like, wow, uh, Daryl Williams' recovery has just been incredible. But he's, I just, I don't see any way. They haven't confirmed he's out, but there's no way he's playing uh, week one, in my opinion. Especially when I talked about how you know, smart teams are treating the first four weeks not as seriously as they used to because they think they can make adjustments. So I don't think he's going to play. Um, they're shuffling things around on the inside. They just lost Norwell to the Jaguars. Didn't really replace him. Uh, you look at the receiving core, you know, I love DJ Moore coming out, but I love the fact that he was 19 his last year at college. And so, you know, he's still 20 right now in the NFL, and uh, he hasn't been able to beat out Jarius Wright. So it's kind of like Jarius Wright and Devin Funches are their big receivers on the outside. Um, not really buying into that, but, uh, you know, you, you look at Carolina's defense, they're uh, shuffling some things up in there. Thomas Davis is out. Uh, Dante Jackson's starting. Uh, he's a rookie second rounder. I kind of like him, but he's really undersized. He's like 5'8 or 5'9. Uh, they just added Denora Cersei. They have Mike Adams as their safety. He's just some, like real question marks. In their back end, they just lost Starla Tulele as well. I know they have some depth to recover that, but just so many questions on each side of the ball for both teams, in my opinion. So uh, kind of a stay away. I'd probably lean to the Cowboys and take in the points, but uh, I, I just have to hear the health statuses of really both O-lines. And that, you know, maybe Friday, if you hear, you know, one news or the other, you start thinking about it. But right now, both O-lines are just so banged up and it, it's tough. All right. Well, there you go. Just uh, that one might be on the main slate of TV. I'm not sure, but just uh, sit back and watch that one. And let's move on to the good old Washington Redskins in Arizona Cardinals. This one's in Phoenix at 4:25, or what Glendale play out of. Um, mm-hmm. Arizona is one and a half point favorites, and the over under is at 44. What is your thoughts on Dar? Uh, what Bradford versus Alex Smith in this showdown? Yeah, I haven't taken it yet, but I'm looking to the Cardinals. Mainly, I mean, they're laying less than a field goal at home. Um, I know nobody's really excited to bet the Cardinals at this point, but I mean, they're not that bad. Like, a lot of things broke horribly, horribly wrong last season, but they're kind of figuring it back out. And you look at their interior offensive line, uh, they drafted Mason Cole from Michigan, who there's just, you know, a lot of positive reports, looks good in the preseason, this and that. Uh, getting IU Potty back for, you know, healthy. And then they signed Justin Pugh from the Giants. So they really, you know, beefed up this interior three. And they're talking about, you know, kind of pounding David Johnson between the tackles more. And they're talking about a hundred catch season for David Johnson. And David Johnson's talking about, you know, a thousand yards receiving, a thousand yards rushing. So like they kind of have an identity. They, they have the pieces in place to kind of make it happen. Um, you talked about Bradford. He Last time he was on a football field for a full season, he broke the record for completion percentage. And, you know, check downs, whatever. Um, he completes the football. You know, that's just what he does. And you think about David Johnson, that really benefits him. And you think about Larry Fitzgerald. We just talked about how he can be in the slot and he can make that quick, you know, burst out of the slot. And he's just there for five yards. 
So it's kind of it's in place here for them to actually be, you know, decent at least in this early part of the season. You know, till you'd assume probably Bradford will probably be hurt by halftime, and then you know they'll probably have to figure they'll probably have to figure it out with Josh Rosen. But I kind of like what they're doing to set it all up, and then you know you got Washington on the other side. Um, Alex Smith's first road game, you know, new coach. They're talking about John Gruden um, or Jay Gruden. Healthy Jordan Reed though. Just yeah, that is actually that is pretty important. You know, I talked about it with Eifert. It's just it's equally as big for them. But uh, yeah, you just get them on the road. Uh, Jay Gruden, there's thoughts about him being you know on the hot seat and this and that. Uh, there's revenge game. I mean, I don't know, man. There's that. Uh, but here's the one thing that I don't like about AP is. Warren Sharp has said that predictably Jay Gruden runs on first and ten more than any other team in the NFL. So (laughs) it's like eight out of ten times he's running on first and ten, and there's just no doubt about it. And he does it out of like stacked boxes, you know, like out of the eye formation, multiple tight ends, like here we here we effing come, you know, and old school football, man. Yeah, but it's like uh, teams are recognizing it, and when you add in, you know. Who knows how old AP, you know, or who knows how dynamic AP is. If you were able to get him in space, or you were able to get him in opportune matchups, you'd probably love him. But if you're running him into a brick wall, you know, you're kind of questioning what what does he really bring to the table. It's like I said, it's a stay away right now because, um, yeah, because a guy like Jordan Reed is healthy and, you know, Alex Smith is going to play the full game. And I don't even know if Sam Bradford can do that. So, um, but I'd be looking to the Cardinals. I think, you know, so many, everyone's down on them this season. And I'm kind of down on them too. They're probably going to win five or six games, but you know they have to win five or six. And you know their opener against a team traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast with a new quarterback and a coach with question marks, and you know a thirty whatever year old running back. Um, that's probably where you have to get. You know if you're going to win a couple games this year, that's probably where you have to do it. So I'm definitely not betting the Redskins, but uh, it's it's hard. You have to make the case for the Cardinals too. You know. If you guys need a uh, nice little cheap tight end in DFS, I'd look at good old Ricky Seal Jones. Yeah, I really would too. Yeah, I actually, I, I forgot to mention him. Dynamic he's another, player. He's, he's a good piece, especially with Bradford. Absolutely. All right, let's move on here to the Sunday night game. We have the Chicago. This is Parker Chicago Bears oh, yeah. versus the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers. Opened up at eight and a half. Now it's seven. Favoring the Packers and the over/under is at 48. Thoughts on your Bears, Parks? Yeah, this one's—it's going to be a fun one, and I've been kind of hyping it up, all, you know, all off-season, kind of looking ahead to it. You know, I write for the Chicago Bears, so it's been the one that I'm looking at, and I mean, the Bears have this one circled. There's just no freaking doubt about <laughs> it. This is like, this is their Super Bowl, and it's Matt Nagy's first game, and uh, he's talked about it really from the day he's been hired, just about how important this kind of game is for him and uh one news note that came out was in week three of the preseason everyone talks about it's the dress rehearsal game and it's the game where all the starters kind of you prepare as if it's if it's week one and then you play the first half as if it's week one and you know everyone kind of looks good and you know feels good everything like that and you move on matt nagy did something bold and benched all of his starters before before the start of the, the third preseason game, he actually called Andy Reid, his former mentor, ahead of time and told him that he was planning to do this. And, you know, he, he didn't tell the players until the very end. And he had them prepare all week like it was a week one game. And the thing that I'm pointing to and the reason that I think that he wanted to do this was because of this week one Packers game. He didn't want to put anything on tape because this is a new offensive coordinator. This is a young offensive coordinator. He's called six six games in his entire career for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. 
Um, and it was, you know, those final six games of their season. And, you know, even in that situation, it's still Andy Reid's playbook. You know, you're just kind of picking the plays. And that's one thing that I stressed a lot this summer is that this is Matt Nagy's playbook. Quit looking at Andy Reid's playbook or quit saying he's going to be just like Doug Peterson. This is Matt Nagy's thing. And he hired Mark Helfrick from Oregon. Uh, Chip Kelly guy because they're going to run this you know fast pace get it out of Mitch Trubisky's hands everyone says you know how good is Mitch Trubisky can he do this and that and my opinion is his rookie season was better than Jared Goff's by a long shot and I thought coming out he was better than Jared Goff by a long shot so you kind of add in all the playmakers and you kind of add in all the play calling and he could have this Jared Goff type of second season and it's because things are going to be so easy for him um, in my opinion, and it has to, especially in this first game, it's because they're going to throw things at the Packers that the Packers haven't seen. And it's mainly Trey Burton and it's mainly Tarek Cohen. If you're going to start to fantasy, those are the dudes that I would start, especially Tarek, or, uh, Trey Burton. I think he's going to kill the Packers because the Packers have huge issues in the middle of the field. Uh, Jake Ryan just tore his ACL. They replaced him with Oren Burks from Vanderbilt, a rookie third rounder. Uh, who just messes his shoulder up. He's out for week two. So they traded for Antonio Morrison from the Indianapolis Colts. And we talked about how bad the Indianapolis Colts are. And, you know, they're, they're trading scheme fits away and whatever. Uh, they just they did that right there with uh, trading Antonio Morrison away. So, you know, um, just, you know, not really a guy right now, you know, who has to start despite the fact that he doesn't know the defense. He's, you know, just getting shuffled in for being, you know, a bad player on a bad defense in Indianapolis. So, this is how desperate the Packers are in the middle. Josh Jones, their starting safety, who's supposed to take over for Morgan Burnett, is questionable. So, you know, they have Kentrell Bryson, they have HaHa Clinton Dix, but they really like to slide Josh Jones into that extra linebacker spot because teams like to mismatch uh, tight ends and running backs against that extra linebacker. So the Packers have been sufficing, you know, it's been Josh Jones or it's been Morgan Burnett. Um, I don't know who it's going to be. I, you know, nobody really knows it. I guess it has to be Antonio Morrison. So Matt Nagy's going to get Jordan, Jordan Howard. This is another one. I really like Jordan Howard because uh, the, the Bears run or uh, last season, Jordan Howard was best running out of shotgun, and Matt Nagy runs shotgun more than any coach in the NFL, or at least he did in those six games with the Chiefs. So uh, I think you pound Jordan Howard up the middle at that weak spot in the linebackers. Um, I think you get uh, Tarek Cohen on the field with Howard, and you get Trey Burton on the field with Tarek Cohen and Jordan Howard, and you motion players out, and you get one-on-one matchups with weak linebackers in space. And uh, it's just it's pitch and catch for Mitchell Trubisky. You know, There's not much to think about for him, so... I think it's going to be a good game for him. Um, look at the defensive side of the football. You know how much will Khalil Mack play? Everything like that. Um, the Packers tackles are coming off of injuries. Brian Bulaga tore his ACL for the second time, and uh, Bakhtiari has an ankle injury that uh, he missed the entire end of last season with an ankle injury. Came back to play with like one or two preseason snaps, hurt his ankle again. They're saying he's fine, but I mean we'll see when you got Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd on the other side. So. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, the Packers, I mean, all, the only reason you're betting on the Packers is Aaron Rodgers. Like, the team, if you look at them, yeah, like, and he's a monster, and there's no doubt about it, but team by team, the Bears are better than the Packers now. And like I said, this, yeah, I mean, without Rodgers, without Rodgers, you know, uh, yeah, with yeah, Rodgers yeah. in the situation, it's uh. completely different. But the Bears are better than the Packers, you know, roster from, you know, number two down to number 90 or from two to 53 now they're better than the Packers in my opinion um I thought that you know the spread should probably be like four or five now but uh getting seven I kind of like the Bears in this spot um like I said I think it means so much to Nagy I think the Packers will probably win 
probably by three. But um, I really think that the Bears get the football. They go right down the field. They score very quickly. Trey Burton's involved like crazy. Um, I would take Trey Burton in fantasy in a, in a lot of spots uh, because of that mismatch. I think they're going to mismatch the hell out of that. And I think they're going to put the pressure on Rodgers. I really think, you know, get a lead, throw stuff that literally nobody has seen on tape before. Um, because Matt, I think Matt Nagy purposely did not want to show anybody this on tape. So he's going to show things that we've never seen before. And it's going to get the Packers off, you know, off kilt, on edge, um, in their home stadium, on prime time. And uh, we'll see how it goes from there. But if the Packers are battling back all night, you know, take the points and then see, see if they can, you know, pull off that last second win. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hype going for this Bears team here. And uh, they were kind of a little boring to watch last year, but they look really exciting this year. So I can't wait. Yeah, they got the whole offensive. It's it's a completely new offense. You know, yeah. Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, Kevin White is even healthy. Um, and then, yeah, Trey Burton, Tarek Cohen, Jordan Howard. I mean, this offense, it could really be clicking. And the Packers, I mean, they added Muhammad Wilkerson, and they have a really nice uh, – Mike Mike Daniels, Wilkerson, Kenny Clark. That's nice. But the rest of it, just question marks all over the place. I mean, I, I like Jair Alexander. He's a rookie. Josh Jackson can't even beat out Tremont Williams, who is, you know, I think Josh Jackson can beat out Tremont Williams. But Tremont Williams is starting. Um, he's like 36 years old, and he was on his third team in as many seasons. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. We'll see. All right. So, we kind of like the Bears a little bit for, with uh, points, you know. Yeah, definitely grab those points. All right, so let's move on to the first Monday Nighter because this is week one. They throw That's two right. Monday Nighters at us because they're so nice. And uh, we have good old Sammy Darnold. Should be starting, right? He's yep, he is. Rolling into Detroit for his first start here with, uh, against Stafford. And Stafford and the boys are six and a half, which is pretty nice, uh, just because it's not seven. Uh, right. Uh, favorites against the Jets, and the over-under is 45. Thoughts on the first uh, first start of for Sam Darnold's luxurious career here? Yeah, I'm sitting this one out, and um, this is, reminds me of I said it on the Jets podcast. You can go back and listen to it. I compared, and I've done it for a while now. I compared Sam Darnold to Carson Wentz. I just think they're they're similar stylistically, in my opinion. And um, I think it was on primetime that I think Wentz actually played the Bears on primetime. And the Bears are like six-point favorites. And Carson Wentz just kind of like beat the crap out of them. Um, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I, I did say similarly to Carson Wentz, I think the Eagles started 3-0 and that season and then finished 6-10. I kind of said I think this is how it's going to go with Sam Darnold because you see it in the preseason. He processes the game faster than anybody. Like he just does. There's no doubt about it. I mean, not like Tom Brady anybody, but like any of these rookie quarterbacks are, you know, he processes the game extremely fast. Um, he figures things out. He knows how to maneuver under pressure. That's one of the things that I'm sure Kyle Shanahan loved him as a quarterback because I talked about how you know Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins, how they're able to throw those passes off base with arm strength and accuracy. That's where Sam Darnold lives. So um, I think that you know instantly you can get that like dynamic success. But um, I think that over time, he has these mechanical issues. He has the knack to turn the football over. I think that you know over time, He'll, you know, he'll pan out as a rookie quarterback always does, as Carson Wentz did in his rookie season. But I do think that he has that, you know, ability to just catch magic in a bottle really quickly. Um, you know, it's on the road, which makes it tough. But you know, this Matt Patricia defense, you know, what did Matt Patricia really do in New England? Like, it's always been the Bill Belichick defense. You know, like I understand that he has always liked Matt Patricia. Bill has, but 
like I got to see what Matt Patricia is as a head coach first. And uh, he's making scheme changes. You know, Ziggy Ansa is not a scheme fit at all for this defense anymore. And I just, I don't know. I don't think that that's smart to just like come in and just make the best defensive player. Like he's kind of playing out of position now. And uh, they just got rid of Anthony Zettel, who I wrote about. I thought he had a great season last year. Um, kind of subbing in for Anth- for, uh, for Ziggy Ansa as a defensive end. So they got rid of Zettel. I thought that was questionable. Um, but they're, you know, they're trying to make the scheme fit change, and it's it, they don't have the linebackers yet. They don't have the front seven yet, um, and I think it, it has the propensity or the potential for a guy like Sam Darnold. You know, this defense is changing things up. I'm not sure what Patricia's even going to be calling. I think Sam Darnold could kind of light him up a little bit. Uh, the question is, you know, can the uh, can the Jets slow down? Uh, which should be, you know, the smartest thing that Matt Patricia did was keep Jim Bob Cooter, who's just been magic for Matthew Stafford. And, you know, Marvin Jones is just balling right now. Kenny Galladay, a lot of reports about him. Um, my question is, you know, they don't have a tight end. And, you know, what are they going to do to run the football? You know, who are they going to figure it out with? It sounds like they're starting blunt. In my opinion, that's just a bad decision. I think on Johnson is just – what I've said, and I didn't get to say it in the Lions podcast, but my thing is Theo Riddick is a pass catcher, right? LeGarrette Blunt is a power back. Like you can mix and match those guys and you can figure it out. That's great. But when Blunt's on the field, you're not throwing it to him. And when Riddick's on the field, you're not like lining up in the eye and running. Carry on Johnson, you can do all of that with. So like, why wouldn't you put the guy that when he's on the field, we might throw it, we might run it, we could do everything. Instead of, you know, when Blunt's on the field, up, let's load up the box. Up, theoretics on the field, up, we're spread it out. You know, carry on Johnson's less predictable. So I, you know, figure that out. But I don't think. Christian Blunt are just boys though, you know. Exactly. And he trusts him. And I understand that, you know, rookie running back, here's the guy I trust, you know, this and that. But I think it's going to hinder uh, the Lions early into this season. And it's why I really don't like them. Um, to, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not betting the game, like I said, because it is a rookie quarterback on Monday Night Football on the road. And I'm not even a big Todd Bowles fan at this point. But uh, I do think, I don't think the Lions present really enough. I think their big advantage is their offensive line against the Jets' defensive front. I don't think the Jets can get a pass rush. Um, Probably actually be looking over in this yeah, game so you're more. Liking that over. <laughs> As I keep talking about it, um, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't dug into it enough, but uh, I'll be looking to the over. Probably like at Parker Hurley on Twitter. Like, tweet me on Monday if you're listening to this. I'll probably be on the over by Monday. There ain't nothing better than betting a nice Monday night over. I tell you that much. Yeah, especially with my boy Sam. I like Sam, so I'd yeah, like to see it. Right, you know, come out and put some points. I'm already throwing yeah. in. Fuck it. Yeah, the Jets have no pass rush at all, so uh, it could be a really good chance for Stafford to let loose. Like I said continuity with offensive coordinator with offensive line um but i don't like matt patricia so we'll see about him all right well let's go to the final game of the slate you got jared goff and you got the good old Bruden raiders here and this game is in oakland and the rams are uh road favorites at minus four and the over under is at 48 and a half thoughts on this game parks this game every year is like it's the wonky game every single year it is so like yeah it's just like something about the time something about the situation like i just think you know like when betters like everybody's taking the rams in this game like you know it i know it. we all know it everybody's taking the rams in this game like i can't even tell you why for some reason the raiders are going to win this game there's just like it's just like it's just the way it goes it really is um there was one time it was the 49ers against the vikings and it was like Teddy Bridgewater's second year, and everyone was just so high on the Vikings. Oh, they're going to, you know, and it was Jim Tom Sula of the Niners. And, you know, uh, I think Blaine Gabbert was starting at quarterback. And uh, 
the 49ers just beat the crap out of the Vikings. Like it just, it's just, it's weird like that. It always seems to happen like that. Uh, I think there was one last year too, that it was just like, oh wow, this is like the craziest Monday night game ever. But it's just this Monday night, 10 o'clock. Nobody's used to playing that late. Um, you know, the home team probably gets a huge edge in that regard. You know, Aaron Donald just held out. You know, you got John Gruden. Everyone's, you know, kind of talking about the locker room is in disarray. But I think it's kind of similar to the Steelers where, you know, a guy like Bruce Irvin is saying, well, no, this is my time. You know, I got to step up and prove myself now. Um, Arden Key is kind of saying, you know, this is a, like a rookie third round pick who I loved Arden Key. Um, I loved his, I think it was his junior year. And his senior year was awful, but his junior year was really good. Uh and if he could get back to that, he's like a top 10 pick that they found really, really late. But uh, I think, you know, John Gruden has consistently expressed confidence and he has said his name out loud and has said, you know, well, we traded Khalil Mack because of, you know, Arden Key. He said that name, you know, so uh, I, I think guys like them, you know, feel like they have to step up now. Um, I still, I'm probably not going to bet it. You know, maybe if I hit on that Jets Lions over, I'll just feel good and maybe throw Double a little down, something. Man. Yeah, just, I mean, it's something about this stupid Monday night game. And I know, you know, my one buddy, I have a couple buddies who, you know, when, when they text me, I kind of start thinking the other way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they say, oh, I, re I really like the Rams. And I'm like, oh, I, I should probably start looking into the Raiders, you know. It's just like, <laughs> it's one of those people. So uh, I don't have enough to, like, tell you to take it yet. But uh, I'm going to have to look as hard and as hard as possible into taking the Raiders because everybody's taking the Rams. It's going to be the last game of the week. Everybody's going to want to get a little action on it. So, uh, like, somehow, some way, Vegas is going to have to pull this off. Uh, and, you know, whether it's Gruden magic or whatever, um, I will say, I mean, the, the Rams have really bad linebackers, like, really, really awful linebackers. And uh, the Raiders have a good interior, you know, guard, center, guard. They have beast mode. Um, maybe you control the clock. I'm just looking for reasons right now, but there's there's got to be something because everyone's taking the freaking uh, Rams. For the record, it did open as minus one Rams. It is now minus. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They just want you to take the Rams. Like they just want you to. I kind of want to too, but I don't know. I know. Trust, trust me, it looks so easy. It looks so easy, but uh, there's got to be something, and I'm gonna find it. <laughs> That's just like how I operate. It's like once everybody thinks one thing, you know, Vegas isn't gonna let you win that easy, especially that last, you know, spotlight Monday Night Football game. It's just not that easy. Um, I got to find a reason, though. It probably is that guard-center-guard combination versus those linebackers and Donald off the holdout. But, uh, I mean, I I, still, I can't convince myself yet, so I'm not going to convince you guys. All right, fair enough. So that will wrap it up for all the games. Um, I think uh, we like there's definitely a couple you like for sure. And uh, uh, yeah, you'll tweet. We're gonna have we're gonna have a Twitter eventually, right? I think. Yeah, I think he tweeted that uh, we took Cincy already. We got them at three, and then yeah. we put a little something on the money line. Uh, I want to say it was like plus one forty, and uh, I know we took Denver at two and a half. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I really like teasing Baltimore in the under. Um, I really like uh, the under in the San Francisco game. And that might be really – oh, yeah, the, the Bears. I kind of like the Bears getting the – I would like seven and a half. If, I'll try, I I, you'll get seven and a half. So if you don't take the Bears yet – or uh, if it's seven right now, don't take the Bears yet because Sunday night at like eight o'clock, it'll probably be seven and a half or eight because everyone will be taking Aaron Rodgers. But uh, I, like the, I like the Bears getting points. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, that was our preview pod for week one. I cannot wait to watch some goddamn football. We it's the, the best. We have the Eagles and the Falcons tonight. I'm personally throwing a couple uh, first touchdown bets in. 
I don't know if what you're doing anything, Parker. I'm looking into the under, maybe first half under, honestly. Uh, there's two teams started off slow, you know. Eagles trying to defend the banner, but uh, I know Falcons, you know, their season ended in Philly last year, um, and it ended, you know, in and out of Julio Jones's hands. You know, he kind of dropped the game-winning touchdown. Yeah, uh, so, so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of uh, animosity and everything like that going on. And, I mean, Julio has talked a lot this week, you know, one thing I've I've had more free time. I've been able to read a lot of uh, kind of quotes. Julio's talking about his red zone issues over the past year, and he's saying confidently that they're over. So uh, let's see it, man. Let's see it, Julio. Uh, do it tonight. Uh, it's it's a good matchup, but I would probably look for the first half under. All right, there you go, big Julio guy. Um, rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. We're just about everywhere and anywhere. And uh, this is the uh, season one preview. We'll see you on Tuesday for the little recap. Parker, any last words? No way. I will see you guys on a Tuesday. Enjoy those bets. Uh, let's go Bengals, man. Let's go Bungles. <laughs> All right, see you guys. All right.